Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. From Tula Tacos and Amigos in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Mader, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. We tend to think of advocacy as something that nonprofits and community groups do, but more entrepreneurs are blending business and social justice in their startups. This isn't corporate social responsibility, it's social entrepreneurship, and it begins with the idea that every community can and should thrive. Grassroots social entrepreneurs work at the neighborhood level and start enterprises that try to solve problems or address community gaps. Is there a food desert? Well, start a farm stand. A lack of housing? You could start a community housing development organization. Do you need, do people need a place to gather and create? How about a village? And in 2021, my guest Leah Porter did just that with Park Village of on Lafayette's north side. It's a community art center that hosts talks, art exhibitions, dance classes, music lessons, a podcast studio, the list goes on and on, a conference room. Leah calls it an intentional creative space, and her background is uh, in dance. She's a decorated movement artist with uh, uh, training in ballet, uh, modern and jazz dance, and her work as a dancer and choreographer has appeared on BT and at Disney World. Leah Porter, welcome to Out the Lunch. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Excited to be here. Park Village is also the home of Heritage Park, an arts mentorship program which Leah co-founded with my next guest, Jasmine Jones. Leah and Jasmine have known each other for a long time, and together uh, they are the minds behind the Creole Nutcracker, which you may have heard of, a Louisiana Creole spin on the Christmas Ballet, which they began in 2018 and has since become a smash annual tradition in 2021 Jasmine started Creole Grounds, a mobile coffee sh- a mobile coffee service that she runs outside of Park Village. And Jasmine herself is a well-traveled dancer and has performed with Debbie Allen and, the, and Houston's Urban Souls Ballet Company. And here's a fun fact. Jasmine's first dance teacher was Leah. Jasmine Jones, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you for medals. having me. Yeah. <laughs> she was a young teacher. I was a young teacher. You were a young teacher. Okay, yeah. so, so it's Not been a long old. time, but we've, we've grown up together. How's yes. that? All right, yes, good. Yes. I get it. Leah, I, I, I try to make the uh, African-American History Parade most years. And so one thing that strikes me is, like, you see these, like, fabulous dance companies that, like, roll in. And there's lots of them, right? And so when you're kind of thinking to yourself, like, I want to start a thing. And I'm like, my first thought is, like, if I'm starting a new business, I might would say, like, maybe I want to start with a dance company. Why did you go bigger instead of, like, you come from this background in dance, you know, working with something like that that's already kind of proven as a successful model? Yeah, I think my travels as a performing artist and as a movement artist, um, in my younger days, college and uh, post-college, I was really inspired by the different atmospheres and different um, environments within dance that I would see in bigger cities. Hmm. Um, did a lot of traveling to New York, um, Houston, LA, and I wanted to bring that vibe and flavor of training hmm. here to Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, one thing I was really big on was like live music in my dance classes, mm. where if you go to um, Alvin Ailey, New York, you know, all your modern classes are done to live drumming. If mm. you go to ABT, all of your classes are done with a pianist. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to bring that flavor and that vibe of, of training and dance here to the Lafayette community. Um, and I really wanted to focus on classical and contemporary styles of dance for young dancers of color. Mm. Um, 
I think diversity in the ballet world is growing now in 2021, 2022. I think it still has some room for more growth. Sure. But um, just treading on young girls and boys in different styles, things that they might not necessarily be um, exposed to mm -hmm. at all. You know, ballet, modern, Horton, Dunham, um, Primus, Graham. These are all things that I was introduced to in college. I wasn't introduced to them in high school. Wow. There's kids all over the world that are introduced to these classical and contemporary styles of dance in middle school, high school, elementary school. So yeah. I wanted to give kids in this community an opportunity to be exposed to those sides of the arts at an earlier age. So cool. that way they can decide, is this something that I want to just use as a tool to take in my life? Or is this something that I really could see myself doing yeah. and not wait until college to have that experience like I did? Huh. So, so it, kind of speaking of, 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 you know, kind of classical elements, right, you know, the experiences of, um, you know, classical dance. I mean, Jasmine, you, you've said that y'all started the Creole Nutcracker because, you know, people want to see themselves when they come to the theater, right? And <laughs> I've seen the Nutcracker before, and it's not something I've ever felt connected to just right. as a person. But So, so why start there as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a vehicle for representation? Well, the Nutcracker is a world-renowned show that many communities have their own rendition of, and so it was something that we've seen people take and make their own before. Yeah. Um, one of our mentors, Debbie Allen, did that. Somebody we really look up to. And so we were like, okay, this is a great place to start because people love Christmas. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't love Christmas? <laughs> the Nutcracker is right around Christmas. And we, we know that the Creole culture is something that is so infectious. Mm -hmm. People come from all around the world to experience the food, the music, and just the, the culture. Mm -hmm. um, so we started with the Nutcracker because we knew we could make that original mm -hmm. um, and we did make it original it like you said when you go to the ballet you don't necessarily see yourself right. well we have mm -hmm. it's not just ballet we incorporated a gumbo of dance styles mm -hmm. we have acting in there we have a a, a narrator who's hilarious mm -hmm. um, he's the nutcracker king but he I'm sorry the mouse king but he's really a nutrient <laughs> you know <laughs> and, it's, and so we not only did we want them to see themselves, we wanted them to be able to relate to it. Sure. So we made it funny. We made it, we put in some of the um, slang that we use down here. Mm -hmm. And um, while also introducing them to something new, it's still something that's not so distant from them at this time. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Leah, I, you know, you talked a little bit about how just ballet in, in general, something that struck me, right, was that you know, there's more diversity within mm -hmm. ballet. And ballet strikes me as a very traditional thing. And what I mean by that is, like, you learn these very specific techniques, right? There's this specific set of things that everybody learns that so I mean has that changed the vocabulary of it at all like as you got sort of more types of people taking it up I mean does that change what ballet looks like even just in terms of the movement I don't think it changes what ballet looks like in terms of the movement terminology tech uh and the technique but it does change the audience sure. it changes who's going to go and see a ballet yeah. um it changes who you see on stage yeah. whenever you go to a ballet so ballet is a uh, uh, has a long-standing tradition um, that will not change mm. and that probably shouldn't change. Mm. Um, we just want to see more people of color on stage doing it, you know. And we, we are now, in today's age, um, we have Dancing of Harlem, which is a ethnic ballet company that mm. was started in the 1970s by Arthur Mitchell mm -hmm. um, to kind of bridge that gap of, of not having, uh, African Americans not having access to classical training. Mm. Um, you have Misty Copeland, who is the first, you know, um, the first principal dancer at ABT. Mm -hmm. So we're making strides, but we just want to see more people of color on stage, more people of color in the audience. We don't want to change the fabric of what ballet is. 
that's an interesting thought. I mean, why not? Why not change the fabric of what ballet is? And I mean, even just setting aside the question of representation, I mean, like, I, I think that's a really interesting idea that, like, there's some things that you just kind of want to keep it how it is and there's value in that. So, so Jasmine, like, why not change the fabric of ballet? Oh, because ballet is ballet and it's strong. It's beautiful. It is <clears> what it is. And there have been many genres that have broken off um, and created their own. There's modern, which yeah. is ballet is its foundation. But yeah. to go outside of those lines, they created modern technique. And there's many different modern techniques. Um, I think it's okay to leave something the way it is because, I mean, they created a beautiful... I love ballet. Hmm. I am trained as ABT certified teacher. And um, it's just the way it strengthens a body for a dancer hmm. is priceless. Um, it adds to any dancer's repertoire. It adds to, I'm, I'm not saying ballet is the end all be all, but it is a great tool yeah. to have in your arsenal if you're a dancer. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I mean, there are ballet trained Beyonce dancers, you know, like yeah. <laughs> you have to, like that, those skills that ballet gives you the foundation. I, does, I don't think it needs to change. There are some things um, outside of the technique maybe that could change, you mm -hmm. know, as far as like body image and um, understanding of who can do it and what you need to look like on stage. Mm. Those things could change and be updated because we've seen many different body types master ballet. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't think the technique needs to change at all. I do think a conversation, because we talk about it often, I think a conversation of what um, the standard in dance is should change. Mm. Yeah. Ballet is looked upon as the standard um, and you have other what would be considered primitive dance styles like African, mm. um, traditional African that is not looked upon as the standard mm. or um, looked upon as, I guess, beneficial as ballet. Right. So I know I do feel like a conversation around ballet not being the only standard in dance should be had. Mm -hmm. We talk about that often. Yeah. That's, that's really, really interesting. I mean, I, I, so you said that you, you didn't... Uh, really encounter it in, in the way that you've described until you were in college? Are you talking generally about? Well, I'm talking about different forms of dance because okay, sure. I trained in ballet since I was three, four years old. Okay, wow. okay. So um, my training is in classical and contemporary styles of dance, but other forms of like modern, like Horton technique okay. and Dunham technique and Graham and all of these different genres of modern okay. that are a part of the modern uh, dance world. I didn't get that training until I was in college. What, why um, is that? I mean, it seemed like kids would really take to that. Because like, ballet can feel like something that like, you, it takes a lot of discipline. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. Whereas, you know, something, and, and maybe it's less relatable to most people. Um, but it would seem like modern dance, which maybe you see more commonly in TV and stuff. Like, why, why, are, why is it more common, I guess, is my question. I think it's not more common here. But I think <laughs> once you go outside of Lafayette, outside of Louisiana, it is a little bit more common. Mm -hmm. Um, Louisiana is a is a dance desert, is an art desert. I hate to say it, mm -hmm. you know. I don't want to say that we're far behind from the rest of the country, but um, our, uh, I guess, pool of resources are limited mm -hmm. from, you know, a, a difference from a New York or a L sure. LA or even a Houston or a Dallas. Yep. So I think having individuals who are wanting to come in and to pour those resources into not only the community, but into Louisiana in general, you're gonna see more people that are gonna be open to teaching other styles of dance. Mm. Um, and then of course, you can't teach what you don't know, right? Yeah. Some people may not be in understanding of what Graham is, what Horton is, what Dunham is. Yeah. And so you're not able to teach those things. And so when we give ourselves an opportunity to kind of spread out and get those resources and then 
kind of do what we did, bring them back to our community, I think that kind of starts that, you know, that's that widespread that you will see more individuals being open to uh, to their kids learning different styles of modern dance. Hmm. And I mean, Leah did that early on because while she was in college, she was teaching me what she was learning. So mm-hmm. I was exposed to it a little bit earlier because she brought it back immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did do Horton. I went to a conference in LA and we did Dunham, you know, and it was, I went to ADF over the summer and I, it's a whole modern dance festival where I was introduced to several different styles. Um, but that's because I was encouraged by someone like Leah or my Walter who had had these experiences and were intent on exposing younger people earlier. I think um, what happens in Louisiana is we don't have many professional opportunities for artists, so we end up losing the people who have those interests um, because they go to work (laughs) (laughs) and they want to work in their fields. And so you're losing those people who are getting those professional experiences and who are able to really pass that on. If we had more opportunities for our artists to work and live, we'd have more opportunities for our kids to learn from these artists mm-hmm. and experience all that, that has been poured into them. What would that look like here? I mean, it, 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 to have more job opportunities for dancers at a professional level. Dance companies. Yeah, definitely yeah. a dance company, prof- more professional dance companies. Mm-hmm. I know there are a few here um, that are relatively small, but I think having more opportunities. I know that's that the mission of, of Basin Arts. Mm-hmm. You sure. know, That's her big mission of being able to give creatives work mm-hmm. and because we love Lafayette we love it here yeah. and um, we are a great place for artists to thrive we just need the opportunities you're listening to Out to Lunch I'm Christian Mader I'm talking with social entrepreneurs Jasmine Jones and Leah Porter so so speaking of opportunities I mean so if I have a kid and I want <laughs> you guys to, to teach him to dance or to engage any of the programs you have how does it work I mean am I paying for a class how does how does the actual programming work Leah so it just depends if it's a dance class you're paying monthly for training yeah. um, and we have multiple different programs uh, fire expression performing arts conservatory is a training facility for girls and boys who want formal training in uh, classical and contemporary styles of dance mm. Creole Nutcracker is another arts and education and youth development initiative that we have that is for kids that are already engulfed in the arts, Mm -hmm. but also kids that want to try it for the first time or maybe have a little bit of experience and want more of a performance experience. Mm -hmm. And then we recently recently started a program called Creole Garçon, which is all about cultivating the young minds of young men Mm -hmm. in the arts. Creole Nutcracker, we had we've had over 200 participants over the five course of five years, mm. and only maybe five of them were males, wow. and so <coughs> we want to increase that, and we want to not only increase the participation on stage, but increase young males in our community understanding that there's more to just the performance side. Mm. Um, we know that there's a lot of negative stigma surrounding males in dance. Um, and we understand that, we connect with that, but we also want them to understand that that's not the only thing that they can do. Mm-hmm. You can learn about prop making, you can learn about costuming, you can learn about photography and videography, which is also a part of the production. Mm-hmm. You can learn about uh, stage management, <laughs> which is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and all of these other different options that all these these small entities that really come together to make this huge production because it's not just the people on stage (laughs) that you know that puts the production together it's the team around us the team that's that's been put together to make sure that the engine is still running (laughs) (laughs) 
so yeah, I, I've always been struck by just like how many different kinds of jobs can go on in these things. And I know that the, the Creole Nutcracker is a, a beautiful production, very big kind of thing. And I mean, uh, a friend of mine actually was telling me about a school that he went to in in the Northeast, where you know they had a theater program where you know you had kids starting at you know freshman year to learn to be a prop master or like do set design, and like and these kids would go off to be. Um, you know, to do that kind of work on Broadway or whatever. And it, so it's, it's interesting because, like, yeah, the professional opportunities seem to be lacking. But on the other hand, I think about, like, we got this very vibrant live music culture. A lot of these skills would show up somewhere else. I mean, Jasmine, why don't we already make some of these connections? Is it a lack of sort of just people connecting those dots? And that's maybe what y'all are trying to do here? Or, or, or do we just still not have those opportunities? I feel like there are opportunities when you're talking about, um, like, the background because we do have a huge live music scene. Yeah. Um, and I think once kids know more about those, what those jobs are, like who yeah. that person is, I think we will see um, more people interested in it and more opportunities because I think, like you said, the opportunities already exist in that sense. We just have to shift our focus from the people on stage mm -hmm. in front to the people who are like making the stage happen, the mm -hmm. show happen. Because um, I talk to kids and I know like, they're interested in the arts, but sometimes they don't want to be the center of attention, you know? They're very interested in how the show is put on. They're very interested in what the costuming looks like, and but they not, they don't understand, like, that's a job. <laughs> like, yeah. you can do that, you know? Yeah. So it's like just letting them know, like, introducing them to these people and allowing them to have these experiences. So that's with our Creole Garçon program. It is a mentorship program where we, we have mentors that we're currently looking for um, that are working in these different fields. Hmm so that the guys can have like an apprenticeship. They, they follow them around, they get some experience, and then they're able to see like what the day-to-day -day is mm -hmm. whenever you're um, putting on, like my husband, he's um, a reporter. So that's a different part, you know, where he's putting together his everyday, well, not anymore, but when he was reporting, every day was a new story. Mm -hmm. And so he's, he's MMJ and he's, he, they just see him on TV talking, but no, he has to write a story, he has to interview the people, he has to cut and edit. And that's all stuff that, I know some kids would be interested in if they actually were introduced to it. Jasmine, who's your husband? Dalfred Jones. I was Jones. about to say. Is your <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I, was, I literally was just this this morning with Dalfred. I was really? Like, yeah, I was at a thing with Leadership Lafayette, and yeah. he was in that class. Yeah. And I'd never actually met him. So I mean, that's that's just it was just really happy coincidence there. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that so. You're, you're trying to find mentors for these folks. So obviously, these are sometimes specialized skills. Has it been difficult to find folks, to not just for the mentorship program, but, you know, I know that um, Park Village, right, you've got a lot of different things to offer. It takes a lot of different types of skill sets um, for people to come in. I mean, is it difficult to find those folks here to sort of show, hey, here, here are the ropes? You know what? It hasn't been difficult because we've reached out and kind of vetted a few people, yeah. and they're all on board, um, especially with us, Creole Garçon being a program for young men. Yeah. We know that we cannot relate as men mm -hmm. <laughs> so we want all of our mentors to yeah. be males within our community and surprisingly it hasn't been hard at all yeah. finding um artists and creatives that are willing to help and to willing to pour into these young into these young boys i think the challenging part is um convincing the young males that this is a program for them because yeah. when you say arts their minds automatically goes to performance and dance. And so I think it's trying to not convince, but trying to show them that there's other avenues and to give it a shot and give it a chance. So we've been working with uh, local organizations here in Lafayette, 
um, to partner with them mm -hmm. to get young males in their organization that would be interested in learning some something new. Because we have, I think, what, six or seven concentrations mm -hmm. within the program. Um, that ranges from dance to videography, photography, um, costume design, set design, um, script writing, so many different uh, things that we're going to focus on. So I think the challenge is not the mentors, but getting the young males to get past that, you know, negative stigma of being a part of the arts. Have you tried tricking them? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what I do with my three-year-old when he doesn't want to you know, just, no, that's not a potato. It's a french fry. <laughs> you know, you just give him a different name. I mean, maybe that right. sets up for a problem later on. Uh, Jasmine, I mean, I, I know that you also, um, you started a coffee shop, right? I mean, a mobile coffee shop that you're what does that actually look like when you describe like a mobile coffee center? Is it is it you with a cart and you've got coffee? How does this work? So right now, um, I actually just bring my equipment and I set it up on a table. The next step is to a cart that's fully equipped, okay? Yeah. We're starting really small. I took yeah. a, um, an excellent course called Accelerate Northside, and it was all about, you know, entrepreneurship. And the biggest thing they told us is start small. Start yeah. where you are. Start with what you have. I ultimately want a coffee shop on the north side of town. Yeah. Um, I thrived at coffee shops in college. You know, just that, that place to meet where everybody knows you have free Wi-Fi, you feel comfortable studying, if you want to talk, it's okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. We don't have that space yet mm -hmm. yeah. on the north side. And I know it would do well. Whenever and We have meetings all the time, and mm -hmm. we're always looking for a place to meet. And right now it's Park Village. And so that it's, I'm grateful that she was open to me saying, um, hey, I think Park Village would be a great place for me to start doing the coffee. Mm -hmm. um, and she's actually been most of my events so far <laughs> <laughs> all of my events. So, so you went through that program what, what made you land on coffee was it just that you now, you missed that experience or i was interested in coffee when i went into the program okay and it's i like a coffee shop and i was actually i, I reached out to rev because i love what they're doing mm -hmm. and i told them like i just really like what you're doing can you teach me more about coffee? Because I just like the vibes of the shop. You know, yeah. I want poetry. I want, you know, I want people chilling. I yeah. want music. Um, but the coffee part, teach yeah. me more about that. Because I just, it all, you know, I yeah. just like a cup of coffee. Um, so he, he's actually very open. And yeah. he's going to be teaching me about a lot of stuff. And um, I'm excited about that. Um, just excited. Yeah. <laughs> I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that Nathaniel kind of had the same idea in Eunice. But he was like, yeah. kind of like, we're here. But there's no coffee shop, and yeah. then just sort of started with like, well, I'll just buy some community coffee, and then like people were like, yeah. I think that's what he did, and then he later on decided I'll roast my coffee. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, so, so Leah, I mean, there's 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 a lot that you got going on, and, and and certainly, you know, building any sort of business takes some investment. I mean, what does this look like for you in, in terms of like being able for this to be a? I mean, is is it at a point where it's sustainable for you as a professional? I mean, what does that look like? It is sustainable. I think <clears throat> you know. This is my ninth. Park Village is a new venture. Yeah. Um, we opened in October of 2021, but this is my ninth year as an, I like to call it an artistic entrepreneur. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Where, you know, <laughs> I take arts, what I'm good at, and entrepreneurship and put it together. Yeah. Uh, Fire Expressions Performing Arts Conservatory, we're in our ninth season. Wow. Um, so this is not my first run with um, having a business. And so I think over the course of the last nine years, all the things that I've learned, all the resources that I've gathered, I was too a part of uh, Accelerate Northside's uh, first class. Hmm. Um, and even at the time, I was in business for eight years, but I learned so much new information that really helped me to uh, propel the ideas of what Park Village was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think having 
you know, being able to be a person that I, I understand what my strengths are, mm-hmm. um, and I lean heavily on that, and I think that has been a huge help at making sure that everything is sustainable. Yeah. But I do want to say, um, she quit her full-time job. Oh, so, yeah. yes, it's sustainable, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, it, it's working. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for her because I know it opened up her schedule, her creativity, her time, and just to really say, no, I'm going to be an artist full-time. Mm-hmm. And it's so much fun to watch. Yeah. And I, I think, especially when I, you know, working with kids and you see that spark of what the arts does, but they still kind of lean on the job that is going to make them the most money. Yeah. I think, like, having that personal story of, you know, having a time where I worked in the school system for 12 years as a school teacher. Mm. I've done everything from pre-K all the way to high school. <laughs> high school. But having that moment of saying... I really want to take a chance with myself and mm-hmm. step away from that full-time job and be a full-time artist and entrepreneur. I think just having that story and that testimony for kids, I think it could really be a help and an eye-opener for them. Because we see so many of them that really probably would love to go into a field in the arts and might not be performing, but just in the arts in general. But they're still very heavily attached to that idea of what society says they have to do after high school. I'm going to be a nurse, but I want to dance on the side. I'm going to be a lawyer, but I want to dance on the side. Yeah. I want to be a teacher and dance on the side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess entrepreneurship at the end of the day is really about taking a chance Mm -hmm. on yourself. And and look, I mean, I think it's really impressive that both of y'all have decided to do that, not just to sort of make a paycheck, right? Right. And and, and, um, do something in service of a a greater good. So kudos to you for that. And and thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Mm -hmm. My guests on Out to Lunch have been Leah Porter and Jasmine Jones. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on KRVS. And you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Jasmine and Leah by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app and on our website, it's acadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on it's acadiana.com and on our social media. These photos were taken by Aster Morgan and you can find more of Aster's photos at astermorgan.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for it's acadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. Producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by Kieran McIntosh. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. I'm Christian Mader. I'm editor of the Current Lafayette's nonprofit news outlet. For stories deeper than the headlines, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our newsletter. I'll see you here again next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Tula Tacos and Amigos. Tula Tacos and Amigos offers street-style tacos, margaritas, and an open-air courtyard on Jefferson Street in the heart of downtown Lafayette. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 